When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I think I've given you the wrong impression. My anus is fine. And I'm Bob Sedensky, and I'm not even the captain of PPPBG. I'm a guy who keeps the captain company. Welcome back to PPPPPPG, as you call the pretty, pretty. How many P's was that? Pretty, pretty. I don't know. Yeah, I think I said one extra P. Yeah. A Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss season six, episode 10, the season finale, the Bat Mitzvah, which originally aired on Armistice Day, November 11th, 2007. Um, oh, wait, no. So not the original, not the real Armistice Day. No. Well, I guess, yeah, it's Veterans Day. Now, it did it there on Nor- November 11th, 1917. Yeah. Normal people call it Veterans Day, right? Um, yeah. Veterans Day is a, is November 11th. It's not like a floating holiday. Uh, yeah, they they originally called it Armistice Day, and then uh-huh. they renamed it Veterans Day later. Um, I think I'm not fact checking that. So I'm not googling it. So yeah, if you want to fact check me, yeah. So we have the bat mitzvah. Yeah, we've had whatever. the seder. We had, of course, on Sanford. We had the bris. We've had so many Jewish ceremonies um, represented as episode titles. Well, I, I don't know if uh, the survivor is a Jewish ceremony. Being confronted by a Holocaust survivor is yes, a Jewish yeah, ceremony. Yes, and of course, we had a, and we had a Jewish wedding in that episode as well, of course. Um, so this week we have a bat mitzvah. Um, of, of how old is your oldest daughter? She is uh, turning eight in October. Turning eight. All right, so you're going to beat me in the bar bat mitzvah game by about four months, I believe. Yeah, because uh, my son will be turning nine in January. Yeah, and you have the bat mitzvah the year earlier uh, in, uh, in our tradition. So, yeah, so you have what? Just uh, four and a half years to three and a half years. My math is off uh, to do uh, to prepare a for a bat mitzvah. Are you uh, getting ready already? We are not getting ready already. Um, uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even think of that. That's that's uh, that's creeping up on us. Well, well yeah. I'll tell you, when we moved to my neighborhood and this is in 2017. So at the time, my oldest son was was uh, four and a half and um, we joined a synagogue and like a week into being at the synagogue, somebody from the office of the synagogue sends an email to like all the membership, you know, a couple hundred people, whatever it is, and said, uh, if you recently contacted the office about a bar mitzvah in July 2026, uh, please contact us, please contact, contact us again. And I'm like, well, that's a very strange email to send. Uh, first of all, it's strange in general. Like you got any, you, you spoke to someone, you don't remember who you spoke to, so you're going to spam an entire listserv you know, to find out who it is. Uh, but, um, but I forwarded it to my wife and I said, like, how funny is this and absurd is this that they're already plotting out bar mitzvahs nine years in the future? And then she said to me, well, but like if they are doing that, you might as well give them our kids like dates of yeah. the bar mitzvahs just put it on the calendar. I guess they already have a calendar. And I'm like, I'm, you're making so many assumptions about your life and your kids' lives. And, yeah, I mean, but what's the downside? Yeah, I guess. So I felt like silly doing this, but I'm like, all right. So I sent an email and I, I responded to the email from the office and I said, hey, you know, this happens to remind me. We just moved to town um, and our kids' bar mitzvahs, I guess, would be this date, this date, this date. And the office responds immediately. First date's already taken. 
<laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and I'm like, well, that's odd. And then I said, it's, it's really not. Yeah. And then I said, well, can can I like, can we share it? Are there like different services or different like floor? And the, and and she says, nope. The other family says, no sharing permitted. Which, by the way, who's down? Who's who's it get sharing? You get you know you cut your cost in half. But I don't know. Apparently, uh, some people here are not 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 fans of sharing. And so, so there you go. You got to move now. Yeah. So my son's bar mitzvah will not be when his, uh, you know, his birthday is. And and then the other thing is I've lived here for four years and I'm like, well, you know, I, I go to synagogue pre-COVID. I go to synagogue, you know, multiple times a week and I get to know people pretty well. The people my age, the people who have a kid my kid's age, he would know he'd play with them in like the youth groups or whatever. I don't know anyone whose birthday is like within a couple days of my son. Who could it be? Um and then I think I talked about the little league thing a couple weeks ago. So I'm like sucked into this like little league as like a coach or whatever. And so I happen to see like, the- yeah, I just signed my kid up and I'm not a coach. Oh, yeah. Much, much Someone else is going to coach such a better strategy. <laughs> yeah. Much better. You had the great line. You said, if a league is dependent on my participation to succeed, yeah, it's, yeah. it's there's, there's not going to be a league. Yeah, exactly. Um, unfortunately, this league I'm in uh, is at that level. Um, and there's barely a league. And anyways, so, and I happen to notice these two kids whose family I know, like they live, on our on our block about five houses down or whatever um and i know them from synagogue and they have twin boys and apparently their twin boys are the exact same age as my son and i had no idea wow. and now i feel somewhat justified they don't want to share they're already sharing they got two twins they're not gonna make it like a three-way bar mitzvah so that's fair yeah um how's your uh post passover uh no chabet streak going mm. yeah i have uh yeah i've yet to have uh any uh leavened bread yet or, or anything leavened um yeah it's, it's going good yeah, so my, my one of my big pet peeves is the whole like where you have to wait like 90 minutes when Passover ends to, to buy to back. Start. Well, OK, you're going to have to do a lot of explaining here. Yeah. So, OK, so the way it works is the, the rabbis realized, however, many years ago that like it would be ridiculous to expect like Jews to, like literally destroy or throw out all of their non, you know, Passover appropriate food because. But I think you have like, to go, that, but you have to explain even further. It's not just they don't we don't eat bread. Anything you're not allowed to own it, right? You're not allowed to own. You're not allowed to own and you're not allowed to have ownership. You're not allowed to have in your house any food, basically any food, period. So you gotta get rid of alcohol, you gotta anything with corn syrup, anything with any any um because corn syrup is bread now. Corn syrup, of course, like peanut butter is bread. Uh, Spoiler for next week. (laughs) A peanut Um, butter sandwich is just a it's a sandwich with another slice of bread in the middle. Yeah. And then if you have a beer on the side or or like a shot of yeah, Yeah, also bread. Everything is bread. You gotta get rid of every single piece of food not in your house and you can't just put it in the garage you have to seize ownership of it because this is yeah. th- when god told the israelites to leave egypt and they left and they didn't give their bread time to rise obviously the intent there was you cannot have beer in your house four thousand years later yeah so basically you know what the tradition has been for you know hundreds of years now that on like the day before passover the uh the rabbi of the community will find some you know willing gentile from the neighborhood and say hey you know you're going to quote buy all the chametz or you know non-passover food of all the jews in the neighborhood but it's technically like a legally binding contract technically but obviously it's bullshit Um, well yeah because he's not going to come back he's not going to refuse nine days later to sell you your yeah so we'll sell you for x dollars and then you know wink wink we're going to come back to you nine days and offer to repurchase all of this 
you know, food from you for, you know, X plus Y for, you know, so that way you make a little bit of profit. Obviously, you're completely indifferent to this whole thing because what do you give a shit about which, you know, stale Cheerios are sitting in some Jew's pantry? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So so every every Passover, like the rabbi will remind you. So, yeah, technically Passover ends at 806, but you can't eat any of your food in your pantry until 938 yeah, because I got to negotiate you know, with the Gentile. I have to go buy back the food from the Gentile. And like yeah. my wife will always be like, oh, we're supposed to wait till 938. I'm like, we don't have to wait till 938. Like Passover's over. This has nothing to do with Passover. It's just whether you think you're violating a sham transaction with a Gentile who in theory is going to come to your house and demand that what you present to him. Stop eating that cereal, you thief! That's my cereal, right? Like, this isn't happening. This isn't real. Like you can, we, we can give the kids Cheerios. Like they've been like itching for Cheerios for nine days. They can have it. They don't have to wait yeah. till tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> Yes, when you put it that way, it is quite odd. Um, yes, our religion is very strange. Yeah, so down- I, 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 there's a there's a tradition. Many, many people like they like rush on you know Passover night, the night after ends, to run and get pizza from the local uh, kosher pizza store because you know I haven't had pizza in a week. I'm gonna die. This is not only like Orthodox Jews, by the way. I actually I have this vivid memory as Pesach as Passover was ending when I was in college one year. I was walking back from the Hillel. To my dorm and I passed these two guys who were Jewish but not like noticeably observant as far as I knew one of them was actually the class president of the class below me I remember in my college so you know sort of a prominent guy on campus and as they walked past me I heard them say oh my god I'm dying for pizza and the other one said can I get it with bread as a topping and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh like, they're Jewish and uh, keeping Passover good for them I was very proud That's of that so yeah he wanted um, bread as so, a yeah. topping so people will rush to always get pizza. And it's like sometimes you have to like wait like in line for like an hour, an hour and a half because like the whole neighborhood is going is descend- yeah. descending on like two pizza stores to, to get pizza. Um, so, you know, as I've mentioned on a previous episode that, you know, I'm uh, I'm a little less lax when it comes to uh, eating certain foods. And like pizza is a thing that I make an exception for if it doesn't have uh, any uh, meat items. on. Oh, the line so, is shorter at the non kosher. Yeah. Pizza, so the so. so the like half I, the life hack I discovered like five or six years ago that I've uh, you know, indulged in is, you know, if you want to rush to get pizza the night after Passover, or just go to the non-kosher pizza store for which it's just like, oh, it's Tuesday night. There's no one there. It's yeah. great. So you're just like waltz right in. You get your pie. You're done. Um, what I discovered this year, um, a problem with my life hack, is that the night that Passover ended was Easter. And almost all the pizza uh, stores in my neighborhood were closed or had to close early for Easter. Mm, in observance. So I had to do a little extra legwork to get the pizza this year. But oh, sorry. You know, to hear you. Yeah. So I still have not had any pizza. It ended okay. You still don't have anything. I guess you're just eating meat. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing is, I think I, I mentioned uh, to you before we started recording, and I mentioned it in the 32 fans patron chat, um, and I also mentioned on episode 32 fans, that I was, um, yeah, that I haven't eaten any bread yet. And then I mentioned that I was actually eating barbecue from a weekend from 12 days ago now um, that I had put in the fridge from before Passover. And then among that barbecue. So so we have like a, a little like an older fridge, a smaller, older fridge in the basement. And so we took all our um, non Passover food that we were selling to the Gentile and we put it in the basement fridge. And then on the little form where you list where your, you know, your stuff is, I said basement, whatever. Um, and so I had I had like a baggie with old hot dogs and hamburgers from 12 days ago. And then I also had a couple of buns that we had because from the pre-Passover meal where we ate it outside on our patio and we used real buns because it wasn't Passover yet. And I brought and then as we were turning our kitchen over a couple of days ago after Passover, I brought I brought the all the non-Passover staff back, back upstairs, put it in like the kitchen, in the fridge. 
and we had a couple buns. And so the next day, Monday or whatever it was, yeah, it was probably Monday yesterday. I wanted to have some of the barbecue. And I said to my wife, I'm like, where are those buns? And she's like, oh, the one and a half soggy, disgusting hamburger buns that were sitting in the same like baggy as all your gross meat from 12 days ago. Yeah, I threw those out. And I got so mad at her. I said, why did you throw those out? Like, those are perfectly like I was going to eat those buns. And she's like, those are perfectly going- good buns. Yeah. Um, and so it's ironic that I'm now still not having eaten any chametz any, uh, you know, four days later three days later, whatever it is, I intended to. I wanted to eat those buns. She threw them out. So it's really her fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. I, you know, I uh, I certainly encourage you to uh, continue in this ridiculous endeavor to, yeah. to not resume eating normal foods um, because, you know, I guess the entertainment of it is okay. And there's no suit off my back. So yeah, we're just, there's literally zero upside for me. But um, what you could say about a lot of the things Larry David does on Curb. Uh, why are you doing this, Larry? But um so with that brilliant segue, why don't we jump into uh, the bat mitzvah? Yeah, let's go down to the bat mitzvah. We are at home, and uh, evidently Leon has called Jeff over to the house because the Black family has become concerned about Larry. He won't get out of bed. He's very depressed about Cheryl leaving him. Uh, Leon has even come to uh, dub Larry with the nickname Mopey Dick, and Jeff's like, uh, you know, you mean Moby Dick, right? And he's like, no, not the book, you know, because he's like, you know, Mopey. His dick is moping. (laughs) Very sad dick. Yeah, I love how you, you pointed out that, that Jeff has been called here by Leon. I love the beginnings of the Jeff-Leon relationship that we witnessed in this opening scene. It's, it's, it's delightful to me, and I think it's really it's almost a hint of where we're going next season where you know Leon is going to really get more and more ensconced, um, not in Velvet, but in, Le- in Larry's life. And so he's becoming friends with Larry's friends. So you know, not, now we see like Jeff and Leon having a relationship that passes the, uh, the Beckner-David test where you know, they don't – I mean, I guess they are talking about Larry, but they're, they're having a scene without Larry at least. Yeah, I mean, like successful than like early, you know, uh, Elaine George scenes without Jerry. Yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, the lessons of the, you know, American presence in the Middle East is, you know, you eliminate, you know, a bad person and you just create a vacuum. And, you know, Cheryl goes out the door and just creates this huge hole in Larry's life to be filled. And Leon is going to seize that opportunity and he's going to fill it. And now it's him dealing with Jeff, you know, to uh, control Larry's emotions and keep his life going instead of Cheryl. No, oh, I got to say, I had no idea where that metaphor was going. Nor did I, you know, kind of uh, made okay. it up as I went. I um, think it ended up okay. Yeah, but then I started thinking about, like, in The Wire, how, like, you know, the Barksdales get taken down. And then who comes back? It's uh, it's it's Marlo Stanfield, who's even, like, you know, like, harder. And, yeah, and you know, that's... That's a that's a that's a perfect one for one Middle East yeah. metaphor. Mm. Do, yeah. Do you, do you recall that the, the the name of the drugs that they were selling in that season? Yeah. No, I, I understand that, but I wasn't really <laughs> sure how you were making the analogy to Cheryl and and Leon. Yeah, she just creates this huge vacuum in Larry's life, and it's like Leon swoops yeah. in. It's like, okay, now I'm the dominant yeah. figure in Larry's life. Let's see I how guess this no, goes. You're, yeah, not, not, yeah, you're right. That's actually very good. I like yeah. That. How do you like that, writers? Yeah. <laughs> You thought you were going to liberate Larry? No, yeah. Leon's in now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So they head upstairs to Larry's bedroom. And, yeah, Larry's, you know, he's in bed. He's uh, not in good spirits. And they decide to, you know, we're going to take a tough love approach with Larry. And, you know, you got to stop being mopey. Larry's like, I just, you know, I can't imagine myself with anyone other than Cheryl. 
And, you know, they talk about the bat mitzvah, but Jeff had mentions that, you know, Cheryl is coming to that too with Glenn, even, you know, to make it even worse. And Larry's just like getting more and more upset. And hold on. And Jeff says here, Jeff says, yeah, well, you know, he didn't pick sides. He and Susie explicitly told Larry they were siding with him. And I even said that Jeff like deserved come with guy points because when everyone else backed away, Jeff and Sue, you know, stayed loyal. But yeah, even Jeff's not picking sides. Well, everyone, I think, at the meal picks up, said they're there with Larry. But then they all, yeah, they all reverse themselves in the episode, but Jeff didn't. Now even Jeff has. Yeah. So he's reversing this episode. Or at least he's he's, uh, going neutral. Although, let's be honest, who's making the guest list for the bat mitzvah? It's much more Susie than Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, like, Susie's just like, no, Cheryl's coming. Fuck you. Fuck Larry. Yeah. And, like, what's Jeff supposed to do? Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> like, that's the entire conversation. No, I like Cheryl. I don't give a no. shit if Larry's there. So, it's not. It's actually not that they don't take sides. It's that Susie took a side. It's Cheryl's side. Uh, she's probably like, you're lucky I'm inviting Larry at all. And so Jeff is like, yeah, Jeff has no hand. Here. I don't think she took he's like taking Cheryl's side as so much as she's just like taking her own side. She's like, I'm like taking Susie's side, which is like, but I if like you're Cheryl. Susie and you have to invite one of them to your daughter's bat mitzvah. Who are you inviting? You're inviting Cheryl. I'm not right. I'm not inviting one. I'm inviting both. Like, fuck you guys. You know, whoever wants to come, come. Yeah. If you don't want to come, don't come. Fuck you, Larry. Don't come. I don't give a shit. I will if say Cheryl wants to come with her boyfriend with the no fly zone. Great. I think she's going to come. She's in a good place. Larry does have a tendency to uh, ruin large social gatherings and celebrations and make. Yeah, no, you don't want Larry David at your social gathering. So yeah, he's going to make he's going to make a very embarrassing speech. You and I do, and we definitely would. But in the world of curb, yeah. Um. So yeah, they're like, why don't you bring someone too? Um. Leon's like, you know, you can become a different motherfucker. You grow a beard, you grow a mustache, some sideburns. Chef's like, yeah, this sounds like good advice to me. Um, Come another Larry, you, know, you know, Larry, you just need to get your ass out of bed. Um, Bob, so, you, know, you have as, a desire to become another motherfucker. Um, yeah. Um, I remember when I what is it? I, sideburns, I, I, mustache? Which one? No, not not quite to that extent. I do remember that when I um I used to live on the Upper Side, then I got married. We were moving up to uh to Riverdale in the Bronx, and I was like, you know what? I could like totally reinvent myself. Like I'm gonna be moving to a new community, like new person, and then like I went to like shul on like the first shabbos that i was there i was like oh i know everybody here like i was about to say not, like that's yeah, a completely that's false work. story in our little yeah. circle yeah there's no chance no that know. was the conclusion i got i walked in the first day i'm like oh i know 80 percent of the people in this room like uh, there's no reinvention here happening it, yeah in the modern orthodox world there is no reinvention anywhere anywhere you go you're gonna instantly yeah, know people it's, it's, or know people it, who know people it's certainly difficult yeah. I mean, um, you can certainly reinvent yourself, but you're gonna you're gonna have to go a little more outside the box. Yeah, you have to reinvent yourself, and everyone's gonna be like, "Why are you reinventing yourself? What, what, what's you're a completely different person than who you've been this entire time?" So oh, I was just saying, gonna... just don't live among mono Orthodox Jews. Right, <laughs> live yeah. in the other ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the world's population. <laughs> yeah, but I have nothing in common with those. Reinvent people. away. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So Larry, you know, fine. I'll get out of bed. He does this, like little uh, this like little ass shimmy. And Jeff's like, like, what are you doing? Like, he like kind of like rotates his butt as he gets out of the bed, and he's like, oh, something felt like a little uncomfortable there. Um, yeah, Chekhov's uh, itchy butt, as we'll say, I guess. <laughs> um, so finally, you know, they drag they drag him when, when, when Chekhov came up with like this uh, this concept initially, or did he yeah, name it after know. himself, or did it get named after him later? I think it probably got named after him later. It's probably a, the rule just, that he made with respect like, to the gun. You want something to be named after you want to be remembered. You know, you don't really want it when it's going to be associated with like itchy asses. Yeah. Lou Gehrig's disease. Well, I was going to say Lou Gehrig. That's what I had in my head. I don't think you want to be associated with like a debilitating, painful, terrible disease that kills no. you. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. Lou Gehrig is 
probably the fourth best hitter in the history of baseball. And nobody knows that. He's just Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah, he was an old baseball player with like Babe Ruth or something, and now he has a disease named after him. Like that's what people remember. But isn't it like, you know, Barack Obama always talks about how like, you know, in the book of history, the best you can hope for is like your one little paragraph. And he's talking about himself. So you and I obviously don't even have like a piece of punctuation. But like, it's really true. Like, look at Lou Gehrig and like, look what we remember about him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, I always think of that as like like the random forgotten president. It's like a Millard Fillmore. Like he was yeah. president yeah. for four years, yeah. and it's like nobody knows anything about Millard Fillmore. Like like there's not like there's not a person that you could meet who'd be like could tell you more than a yeah. sentence. I, I I literally could only tell you his name and that he was president. Mm-hmm. I couldn't like I couldn't tell you anything that happened. Like I was president of the United States for four years, and he's forgotten. Yeah. Now I will say that I have various uh, presidential charts, which should not Fine. surprise. All right. Me. So you've done a little bit more research than most. <laughs> yeah. No. But still, like, there's nothing like what I what I always say. Like, and I've gotten arguments with people about this. Like, I say, like, no one will remember George Bush 300 years from now. Nobody will. Yeah, no way. The, the yeah. number of presidents who will be remembered will be ver- from the 20th century. It'll be like FDR, and then Kennedy. Maybe Nixon for not the right reasons, maybe. And then maybe, maybe Reagan or Clinton, maybe. That's it. And then, like, Barack Obama will be remembered forever because he was the first black president. Like, that historical value, right now, half the country, like, despises him and, you know, and half the country's racist. And this yeah, I, I actually there. would say, I think, I think Bush is more. <sighs> I wish we were recording. That was actually really funny. <laughs> Why were we talking about George Bush? Um... I don't know. Listeners should know there's, there was a long gap in time, like for half an hour. So we were both doing different things. Yeah. I lost my internet. I'm on my personal hotspot for my phone now. We'll see mm. if this works. It's working um, fine. Yeah. I really, I actually don't even care about this podcast anymore because <laughs> all I'm worried about now is that in the morning, my kids are going to want to use the iPad mm. and instead I'm going to have to like deal with them and get out of bed. Because do, do your parents not, do your kids not have school tomorrow? They have Zoom school. Oh, oh until well, Thursday. My kids are in school, and let me tell you, the real festival of freedom is not Passover. It's uh, yeah after Passover when your kids go back yeah. to school. So I will, I will be in your boat Thursday morning. Mm. Uh, but tomorrow is another Zoom school day, which means that like we don't need to like get up and get them out early, because like, mm. they don't start school till like nine. So I can like sleep till like eight forty. But, yeah, but only it, if only if I have an iPad with with working Netflix to give them. Oh yeah, it's it's much worse. Uh, well. It's it's much worse when they have to go to school, like the six thirty to eight thirty window. But then, yeah, and then the rest of the day. But then yeah. the rest of the day is so much better. So yes, yeah. no, I'd rather wake up early and get the, the fuck out of here. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll be waking up in like uh, five hours. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like I'm going to go to sleep right after we finish recording this either. So let's be honest. Oh, I, I imagine you're going to continue watching <laughs> random clips of SNL. Well, it's not that random. I'm watching our last week's episode, but yeah. Oh, okay. Um. All right. Uh, a couple weeks ago, but you know, fairly recently. All right, so uh, we were talking about George Bush for some reason. Yeah, I don't really remember why. I don't we were talking about presidents and, yeah, which presidents are famous. I think, I, I maybe, I think vaguely recall you were saying, people might remember George Bush and his father sort of the way you remember John Adams and John Quincy Adams. Right, so but I like, think, like, that, that puts yeah, him ahead of a lot of people. that's it. But, like, John yeah, Quincy Adams right. was, like, this heroic abolitionist who, after he's president and loses, goes back and serves in Congress for, like, decades. Like, nobody knows that or remembers that. It's only, oh, yeah, it's the guy that him and his father with the same name were presidents, like, non-consecutively, basically. And yeah, so I, I feel like with, yeah, I feel like it's possible that the only president that will remember is Trump 
and like everyone else will be forgotten to history <laughs> or he'll be he'll be completely forgotten it's gonna be one or the others like either like he's gonna be, gonna be completely forgotten or he's gonna be the only one that everyone remembers so, like that's like, we're on, like have been deleted yeah we're like that. on a we're on a collision course with one of those two so you're still not past him you still think he's uh i mean he he's had a very infectious effect on the culture and on uh significant portions of our population for sure but but you think him as a person may be coming back well, not, even if it's not him as a person, I think he's still there's still a very good chance that he becomes like a, a seminal figure in American history based on what the future ahead of us is. That sure. is unwritten. We don't sure. we don't know where the future will go. If the, yeah. you know, if this, you know, this okay. uh, politics continues, you know, he could be viewed as a forbearer of that. Mm-hmm. OK, uh, well, let's hope not. And uh, one of our listeners. No, for sure. Let's hope not. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, hope, let's hope he's eliminated immediately, you know, taken off the board. All right. So uh, where were we in the episode of Curb Your TCS? I honestly don't know. Um, I think we uh, I think Larry was uh, coming downstairs. Leon brings him down to, uh, you know, hang out with the rest of the black family. And they're yes. like, you know, forget about Cheryl. And he's like, all right, you're right. You're right. I don't even think about Cheryl anymore. Like, I'm going to go get back out there. And the blacks are like, speaking of getting out there, we're actually moving out of this house. Um, you know, our house back home is finished and we're headed home. And Daryl at this very moment comes running out and he ha- he announces to the rest of the household that his gerbil has escaped. And everyone runs all over to try to locate the gerbil and return it to its proper location. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, at work, you know, I guess probably later that day. And Larry's assistant, Antoinette, announces that someone is coming today to look to possibly rent the office space next to Larry's. And Larry is very upset because he likes he has gotten accustomed to having this space empty and like not having to deal with like, I guess, another person in the hall, potentially another person sharing the uh, the restroom on the floor. Someone you have to see in the elevator. He likes that this office is empty. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's very strange, by the way, that the building manager is calling Larry's assistant to tell her he's showing another unit in the building that's not their unit. <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess you know it's just more maybe. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess Although like I would like a warning if Michael McKean was showing up in my in my life because Michael McKean is very annoying. Um, the characters he plays, I should say. I don't know him personally, but um, and I should say the only things I really know him from is this episode of Curb and then other episodes of Curb and then Better Call Saul. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so maybe he's a very yeah, good actor. <laughs> maybe he wanted to give him a heads up like hey i'm gonna have a tip there like don't do any like extremely offensive and embarrassing impressions yeah. while while i have him there hmm. by the way showing yeah um yeah so i mean i'm looking at uh michael mckee now i'm like embarrassed so he was uh he starred in, in laverne and shirley which is obviously way before my time and he's in a million christopher guest things uh, as is a uh, special guest who will be on the first episode of next season obviously bam bam right right but um yeah um, yeah, so she's like, okay, also, uh, Matt Tesler called mm. and he's going to be stopping by. And we learned that this is a, uh, a guy who was a director on Seinfeld. Um, uh, of course not actually just, this is a made up thing. Um, and Larry is like, oh God, like, I don't want to deal with this. I bet what he wants is, you know, he wants to get a job working for Richard Lewis and his new pilot. And he's probably going to want me to like make a hookup for him. And he's a really, he's just a terrible director. I really don't want to be, have any part of this. And, you know, I, I think his son has some sort of disability. I don't know if it's an MS or MD or something. Um, so yeah. And, uh, as they're talking, Matt drops by and sure enough, he talks about how he's been stuck in the dramedy ghetto ever since he directed that cancer scare episode of Home Improvement. Mm. He got typed as the guy who does ticker. I don't know what any of these um, 
they're all they're all made up, right? I assume, aren't they? Yeah, I have no idea. I, yeah. I tried looking up whether like Ticker meant anything. I couldn't find it. Oh. Uh, but he wants to get back into the funny, do the stoomy again. I have no idea if this is a real word or a made up word. Or well, a so here's word. the thing: stoomy is 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 a Yiddish noun. A stum is someone who like is silent or mute. So stummy, oh. and he says it with like a Yiddish accent. He says, "I want to do the stummy." Like stummy would be the opposite of the silly comedy that Matt Tesler seems to be implying by his use of the word here. Stoomy would be something like very quiet and like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. So um, he's like, yeah, can you, uh, you know, can you put in a good word with me for Richard? And Larry's like, yeah, I guess I can recommend you. Like he feels very cornered by this guy. He doesn't really have a choice. Now, by the way, um, between this scene and so far at this point in the scene and his name, Matt Tesler, if you had to guess the religious persuasion of, of, of um, Matt Tesler, what would you guess it to be? Well, I, I think based on Stubby and that he's a writer in Hollywood, we're going to say he's a Jew. And his name is Tesla. And we haven't even got to when he will know a doctor named Rosenberg simply by the last name. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's very strange because we'll learn by the end of the uh, by the end of the scene. Or is it, no, by the end of uh, the next scene that um, he has a Jewish name. He uses Yiddish. But uh, yeah, not a Jew. Not a Jew. Yeah. Uh, or maybe he is. And it's just his son who is, uh, you know, on the right, right. hand of Jesus. Yeah, that could that's be. right. Um, so, you know, just, you know, as they're talking, Antoinette pops back in and she wants to know, Larry, do you still have that tickle in your anus? This is such an incredible faux pas. It's like Larry, obviously enraged. It's it's fucking insane. Like you would you should get fired a thousand times out of a thousand for doing this. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is I mean, you don't really disseminate this information in front of a yeah. third party. I mean, why does Larry's assistant know about his private medical history? Anyway? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So even this if he is had, why like, Larry her... couldn't fire her, as he previously said. Right. She knows all the secrets. Yeah. About, she knows all about the gerbil up the butt. Yeah. Mm. Um, Larry is like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, there's no tickle. But Matt's like, oh, you know, if you really you need a GI, I uh, my cousin works for a gastroenterologist. Um well, hold on. Uh, you skipped you it. You away. skipped it. He says, um, who are you going to? And then when she says, Antoinette says Rosenberg. And again, he knows him simply by his last name. Right. He's like, oh, he's better than, he, I'm he better said, than Rosenberg. Rosenberg is a, this is the, I, I love this line from Tesla from Michael McKean. Rosenberg is a good man. I've got a better one. Pencil. <laughs> snap, snap. <laughs> and I, I love this. Like, so his wife's cousin manages the office of another doctor who's good at anal tickles. And so therefore, he knows the whole industry and he knows exactly who you go to. Rosenberg is good, but I got a better. I like, but like, what industry is this? Like, who do you go to for an anus tickle? I really, I, I'm asking. I don't know. I would say, yeah, either a gastroenterologist or a proctologist. Yeah, but so, yeah, so gastroenterologist is, the, is what we'll hear later in the episodes. I guess that's the answer. Proctologist, which of course you and I know from Seinfeld, is not actually like a real thing. That's the, there's no such doctor as a proctologist? I don't think they call themselves that. I asked Jen about this once. Right, like, like there's, there's, there's doctors. Wait, what kind of doctor is your dad? Gastroenterologist. Yeah, like, does he ever call himself a proctologist? No, but I think that's a different doctor. But like, he deals with like people who have like things up their ass, does he not? He does, but he's like a he's, he's a, a, like a stom- shot he's like no, he's like a stomach and like intestine doctor who and the way to access those parts of the body is through the anus. Yeah, I think this, the anus is a separate body part that probably requires its own doctor i guess i i don't know i think it's a real thing well now i'm, I'm not yeah proctology a branch of medicine dealing with the structure and diseases of the anus hmm. oh, oh this is what it is. no yeah so yeah jen says yeah it's called a colon rectal surgeon 
Okay. She says nobody says proctologist. Colorectal surgery. Yeah. Proctology is much easier to say. Yeah. I mean, well, if he's the ass man. By the way, you Google proctologist, the number two hit is from colon 90210.com. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, but, I see that. Yeah, the, yeah, the field is called colorectal surgery, is what the field is called. Um, um, yeah, uh, oh, it says the field is also known as proctology, but this term is used infrequently within medicine and is most often employed to identify practices relating to the anus. Okay, so yeah, so within medicine, those nerds are calling it colorectal surgery, but the, the, the man on the street, like you and me, we're calling it proctology. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Has your dad uh, ever told you any good stories about things that no one wanted to admit they stuck up there? He's told, he's told me some very good stories. Yeah, I know. A million to one shot, Doc. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has, among other things. I thought uh, when I teased so, up, by the way, you said you were going to say your dad was a proctologist. But. No, he's not. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a, he, yeah, he's a gastro. Um, so, you know, he uh, what, what's interesting is that, you know, as I said before, like he's not interested in the anus per se. He's interested in seeing something in somebody's stomach, intestines, liver. And it's only in order to get there, you have to do a, you know, put a scope through the anus in order to see further into the body. And what what it's it's more that he has this, you know, on the path to discover, you know, what we see is wrong with this guy's stomach. He's like, oh, there's an obstruction. There's something in the way that for some reason this guy failed to mention. And among other things, he has discovered an, um, an umbrella handle, of course. a barbecue sauce bottle. Yes. Um, I think those were the two. Uh, mm most wild ones a million to one shot doc yeah but it is yeah again and, in this episode, and it's not though, just a million to one shot it's a million to one shot and i forgot <laughs> that it was there so i said wait, like oh hey i'm on. having a problem with my stomach can you check wait it these out? patients they, literally claim that they forgot about it i forgot to i don't know it. it's like yeah like in both of those scenarios like the way he described it it's not that the person said oh i, I have, have an umbrella yeah it's like oh my stomach hurts can you like check <laughs> me out and like he's like no i can't because there's like something there that he had to like remove a barbecue sauce bottle <laughs> And then put in the scope so you can see what's wrong mm. with the stomach. I don't know if you know how connected the the, bo- the bottle yeah. was the stomach pain. <laughs> I'll have to follow up about that. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, all right. So <laughs> million to one shot, doc. Yeah. So yeah. So Larry um, needs an appointment, and he's heard Rosenberg is good. Sanensky is better. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't like that. This uh, t- you know, I don't know he's a Jew because he's he seems to be uh, steering people away from Jewish doctors to Gentile doctors. I'm not crazy about you know the, the downgrade from the Rosenberg to the pencil. Mm, yeah, I gotta go so, with the Jewish doctor. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what about Jewish lawyer? Well, we'll learn about that next uh, next season. Yeah. Next no, season? always go to a Jewish lawyer. Jewish yeah. lawyers know best. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's Larry just like really, um, he, he, uh, completely explodes here. I don't think we've ever really seen this with him and Antoinette before. Like he gets irritated oh, with her, but he, but he, just, but like, he also needs to do it, to... but he needs to do it for the, for, you know, for the benefit of Tesla or so he thinks because he needs yeah, to I deny, don't know. but it's weird because he's trying to deny that it's true, but then he basically acknowledges and like, accepts. right. It's a protest to watch this situation. So if but, you're but Larry, also it's like you have to say, no, I don't need this. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't give me the same. It doesn't matter. You can't go to him. You got to go to Rosenberg. Right. I mean, I, you, know, you hope I think that there's like, you know, confidentiality and HIPAA rules in effect. And so they're not going to tell that. Tesla, yeah, I think we've oh, established for on the show that, David. Yeah. yeah, we're in a, we're in a pre or post HIPAA world, whichever it is that gets us that we don't have to violate, you know, we don't yeah. have to comply with HIPAA ever. Correct. Um, so, yeah. So um, we continue with Larry and he's driving home in his car or he's headed to somewhere in his car. 
and he calls Richard and he said, hey, I just want to let you know, I just met with Matt Tesler and he's interested in, you know, the directing gig for your show. And I am hereby recommending him because I think he would be great for your show. And therefore, I am recommending him. Um, this is a very dumb thing to do via voicemail. Yeah. <laughs> do you think Larry's voicemail is appropriately obvious? I mean, I think it's it's obvious for us who well, know who see what it. he's doing. Yeah. yeah, but if you hear the it's, audio it's, only, no, watch you that can't. Scene, this close this your is eyes. not an acceptable way for him to do what he's doing, where okay. he's like doing like a sarcastic recommendation. He, he like, does say so that way. If he asks you, you can say that I recommended you. Like you know, right. that's the closest part. But yeah, but it's it's pretty subtle. Yeah, I think no, I think he, Richard I think Richard was not wrong for going and hiring the guy. Well, I think he maybe he should just like do like a follow up call yeah. with Larry yeah. just to be like, oh, oh, you worked with him. Like, is he good? Like, you know, that, yeah. that seems yeah, like that's basic yeah. due diligence before you yeah, hire a director for yeah. your episode. Mm, that's fair. OK, uh, but yeah, so uh, we're now at the Gastro's office and Larry, you know, comes to the, the counter. They tell him to sign in and he's like, I don't want to sign in. Why should I have to write my name down? Larry you know, in the just, medical waiting room yet again. Yeah, he's like, you know, this should be private. Like, nobody should be able to just, like, walk off the street and see, like, oh, Larry David was at the gastroenterologist. Yeah. You know, therefore, he must have some uh, anus problem. It should be By private. Way, he's completely correct, and that's why this doesn't exist. You don't, you don't sign up, uh, you know, your first and last name on a big public sign-in sheet when you come into a doctor's office that everyone can see. Uh, yeah, you do. At many doctor's offices, you do Wait, that. Wait, really? Yeah. I've never been to a doctor like that or a dentist Yeah, like you, that. Write, really? you sign in. You write, you write your name. No, you tell them at the desk that you're there. No, I've signed it. I for sure signed it at, really? at many doctor's offices. Yeah. They give you and so you could see other people's names on a sheet. Um, so I think what they do is like they have it on like uh they have like stickers. So like you signed it, they like they kind of like take your sticker off and like they probably put it on. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you register upon arrival. Yeah, yeah. You don't right, get a list by, of yeah, by, by writing down your name though. Yeah, you fill out a bunch of forms. You have to write a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. No, but there's name, also no, there's there's one sheet in many doctors' office where you literally all you do is write your name out just to like that's how you let them know that you're here. And then and then and then you get to see the whole sheet. I mean, I'm sure there are doctor's offices where people okay. have seen the whole thing. Because I've, I've never experienced that. And when I watched it with Jen, she got she got madder about this violation of HIPAA than the <laughs> other one. She's like, there's no medical office in the world that would have a public sign-in sheet. So uh, yeah, well, maybe not that. now as much, but I, I've definitely done something similar to this. Mm. Okay. Because um, I was also wondering, like, you know, do they even like they never say your full name when they call you? But I was wondering if your name is John Smith and you're in a big waiting room, they can't, you know, they can't just say John or Mr. Smith. So I guess. Yeah, to... well, I think probably what they do is they say John. And if two people come named John, get yeah. up, they figure it out. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, sometimes they shave the wrong patients, but, you know, yeah. that's the worst that happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he's like, you know, you know, you really need to, you need to improve the process here in the waiting room. You know, I'm not I do inventor. love how Jeff is still bald, but it's growing back a little bit. Yeah, it's growing back. Yeah. So yeah, he really, I he appreciate really so. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm not an inventor. I'm an improver. Yeah, and this is a broken line. system that mm. will now be improved by my suggestion. Mm. And, you know, finally he goes and he sits down and he's sitting next to another patient and he starts to flirt with her. And she's like, oh, are you from New York? And he says, yes, but I'm not a Jew, if that's what you're thinking. Yeah. By the way, she and, hadn't said anything New Yorky to that point. So he's very good with the subtle accent, I guess. Yeah. Um, and she's like, he's like, you know, oh, what are you, what are you in for? And she's like, well, just a checkup. Mm. And he's suspicious. But when she asks him the same question, he says, yeah, just a checkup. No one wants to admit why they're at the gastroenterologist. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, you know, he asks her how the flirt is going and she gives him a seven and a half, which I would say is pretty, 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 pretty good. I would take yeah. a, I would take seven and a half. 
Sure. I don't know. If I don't say I would it, give, but... I, I'll say I give seven and a half five birdies. You're not you're not going to do better than seven and a half uh, when you ask like that. I, I don't want to cast aspersions and be accused of being a lookist or an ageist or whatever. But like if you're uh, if you look like Nadia Dayani, this actress who uh, very exotic look, she's of Irish and Palestinian descent. Um, and you see a Larry David at the doctor's office and you don't know who he is and you're unaware of his fame and his wealth. I mean, is his flirt's got to be really, 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 really good, I feel like. And I, yeah. I did not feel as good that that good. Yeah, right. Yeah. He needs to do better than a seven and a half to pick up. Yeah. This and then he starts like negging her. He's like, you must be very, very bright, which I get that he's saying it sarcastically. But like, you don't say that to somebody when you're trying to pick them up. I don't know. But she's she's yeah. down. To pl- she's she's down for Larry. So at this point, anyway. Yeah. Larry has the Kavorka, it seems. I guess so. Something. Yeah. He's, he's picking up. I mean, you assumed when he was with uh, Xena Warrior Princess that she uh, at least knew who he was because she was in the industry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, some of the ladies seem to have an affinity for Larry. So, yeah. you know, unfortunately, she gets called in to the office before he can catch her name. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's Larry's turn to go in and he a little uh, shades it, of the tractor incident, isn't it? A little oh, bit. He's, try, yeah. he's trying to find out, you know, what's wrong with her. Exactly. Yeah. And in, in, in a very uh, similar region of the body. And uh, Matt's cousin, the nurse, uh, you know, greets Larry and he wants to know what's going on. Why did you see the doctor? And Larry's like, yeah, I really would rather just like discuss that directly with the doctor. And she's like, well, you know, that's the policy. This house works is how we save time. And Larry's like, you know, I really don't think this system makes sense. It's a little bit askew, if you ask me, because I know that when the doctor comes in, he's going to ask me all these same questions. Which is true, and it's one of my biggest pet peeves when going to the doctor. It's like you spend so much time filling out all those fucking forms. Oh, and then so like I will like, give you a secret like you've for never my wife. Existed before yeah. my wife never filled the forms. Nobody looks at them. Nobody reads them. Don't fill them out. And because I'm like anal retentive, when we go to the doctor for any of my kids or for I'm sitting there, and I'm filling out page seven. Does he have any? This is and Jen's like nobody reads that. They have to ask the questions like for legal reasons and like for like liability reasons. They can't like give you a drug without asking and discussing what you're allergic to. It doesn't matter what you wrote on a form. Nobody looks at it. Don't waste your time. I mean, you need like the top line. You need your name and your birthday and your insurance information. But like, uh, you know, page four, nobody's reading that. Not that I'm yeah, I have, people to have. I have like one one doctor who like when you when I have an appointment with them, like I get like an email like 24 hours before be like, here's what we have is like your current medical stuff, like confirm it. And like that when I show up, I don't have to fill out any forms. Oh, like, I love so, going to that doctor. So now in covid age, all or I mean, they're supposed to be like that. And so, you know, all the appointments that I've had or that my kids have had or that my wife has had, like you have to fill out all this stuff online ahead of time and it's supposed to speed up time. And then you show up there, in my experience, and then they still give you a stack of paper. And yeah, I'm like, some, but some I filled out all the online stuff. I answered all these questions. And by the way, Jen was making fun of me for but like on page 17, like reading every single thing, like word for word, like am I pregnant? Like, you know, and yet I had to do it all over again. And I've had that experience many times in the last year. So I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, by yeah, the way, this, this it- nurse, do you do you recognize her from anything? Um, I don't rec- I don't recall recognize her. Where's she from? So it's Mindy Sterling. And when I saw her, what she's most famous from is the Austin Powers movies. But like when I saw her, I, I thought, oh, she's really famous. I recognize that face. And then I looked it up and it's really mostly just from the Austin Powers movies, actually. <laughs> so I guess she was just she did an incredible job there that she like went into my brain as like an earworm that I think she's like, you know, that girl who I've seen in so many things. But it's oh, really- yeah, yeah. For all. Yeah, yeah, but other than, other than those movies, I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, I I looked at IMDb and like there's other things she's been in that I've seen, but I you know they didn't jump out at me. 
Um, but yeah, but let's yeah. go back to this conversation. Larry finally reluctantly tells her that he has a gerbil up his ass. And yeah, he just like blurts it out. This this makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, why does Larry tell her that he has a gerbil up his ass? Also, why is she so nonplussed? I guess she's doing a good job at her job. But like, it, 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 it's not true, as he later says. And he was just saying it like for to enter. I don't know why to like mess with her to test if she would violate HIPAA, which, by the way, if she would like or to test if she would tell if he, she would tell the doctor, I guess. Is that why? Because the doctor. Yeah, I, well, I think I think he's just like wants to end the conversation. And he's like, OK, if you must know, I have a gerbil up my ass. So happy. Fuck you. But, but and I think but, that's how he's but, like saying it. Yeah, but it makes it it makes it sound like fine. I'll tell you what I didn't want to tell you because I was embarrassed. But again, it makes no sense. If you actually had a dribble up your ass, you go to the emergency room. You would never wrote it living in your body for two days. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, some people like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So there's the old, you know, there's the famous Richard Gere, you know, um, urban legend, which I assume is not remotely factual, although I have no idea. Yeah, I would but, think um, so. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure there are people who do that, but I'm sure that if it doesn't come out immediately, like, I don't think it's a two days. I don't think it's like Benoit balls. To you. <laughs> like, I don't think it's supposed to be there for like extended period. I mean, could be wrong. I've never tried it. But like, isn't it supposed to be like for like a few minutes at a time, an hour at a time? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. Um, I <laughs> yeah, am uh, listen, I'm looking at her. If you've ever had a rodent living inside your body for sexual purposes, please send us an email. It can be anonymous. We won't say your name on the podcast. <laughs> Unless you're Jared, then we probably will. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm she, very interested to know about this. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at her uh, her IMDb, and she wow. appeared on uh, two of the three uh, TV shows discussed on this week's Renap, Saved by the Bell, the College Years, and Joey. Mm. I did watch all oh. of Joey, by the way. Yeah, I watched a good amount of it. Yeah, I watched more than bit. I. Yeah, more than I yeah. should admit. I'm a Matt LeBlanc completist, I guess. All right, so yeah, so he he have you seen Ed? To- Wait, that was the fake show on Friends. No, Ed is, I think, the movie where he's like a baseball oh. player and there's also a monkey involved. I don't know exactly what happens. Oh, in, in my head, that was a, a, a thing that he plays and Joey Tribbiani plays. I don't think so. I think it's a real movie with Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> oh, well, my greatest apologies to Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> yeah, so um, eventually the doctor comes in and he's like, all right, what's the problem here? Yeah, and Larry's he, like, of course. Yeah, he, she did not tell you about the gerbil. So uh, Larry is uh, heading out of the office and he sees that the woman he had been flirting with earlier is gone. And he goes to look at the sign in sheet to see if he could maybe figure out her name. But it turns out that the receptionist reports good news. I uh, called the home office and, in the, you know, the 10 minutes that you were in seeing the doctor, they've changed the policy of the office <laughs> as per your suggestion. And we no longer have a public sign in sheet. Yeah, I think this is how they actually do it. Uh, but you tell me I'm wrong that the, the well, sign in sheet. The, the the list of who's coming, whether it's on paper or whether it's electronic, or whatever, is is controlled by the the back, you know, the other side of the desk. Yeah, that's how it should be done. Yeah, um, but you know, she takes a little bit of pity on Larry, and she, you know, she'll she hints at some names until Larry figures out who the person might have been, and he learns that her name is Paula. Now, this I want to talk about the receptionist, receptionist for a second. Uh, quite a strong Michigan accent I detected on this. Uh, uh, the actress, anyways, Allison Quinn. I don't know, maybe the characters from Michigan. Uh, okay. Very self-effacing. She says, I only make $9 an hour. This is too difficult for me. Then she later says, I have no formal education. No <laughs> formal education. She didn't even go to elementary school, this woman. like. And um, I mean, I wonder almost like this is the kind of thing, almost like, you know, crazy eyes killer. Um, just to mention somebody randomly and for no particular reason at all, um, like is a character on that show 
who's like so famous and has an episode named after them and is like super memorable. But like, how much do these people do? Like they see on the paper, this is what I'm supposed to say. And then how much do they create out of it? Uh, because it seems like uh, this receptionist is really trying to create a whole, a very funny story here. Like, and, uh, but I guess Larry's not, uh, not interested. He's not engaged. Yeah, I mean, I guess right. Sometimes Larry takes the bait. Sometimes yeah. he just, you know, says, "Now we need to get this episode." I would be this fascinated. You have no formal education, like, like, how are you a receptionist here? Like, where did you come from? Anyway, came yeah. from the wilds of Michigan. Yeah. So Larry uh, is having the some lunch. Is actually with British, by the way. The accent is that? Yeah. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I'm making that up. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. So Larry is having with Jeff, and he reports that he has a date with Paula, and they start to debate. You know, why would she have been at the gastroenterologist? What is wrong with her? Mm. Um, for some reason, this is very sad. Yeah, to uh, to gargle loudly for fifty dollars, and Jeff's like, "Sure, I'll take that bet." Also, Seinfeld. And he does Go it up to that table, you yeah. know, in the restaurant. Yes, yeah. the Chinese, the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Larry does it, but then when you know, when soon thereafter, he announces to the whole restaurant that he did it in order to win fifty dollars. Jeff says, "No, no, I don't have to pay you. The bet is off." Yeah, of course. Um, Jeff's completely right. Yeah, yeah, he's completely right. The whole point is that you have to make an ass ass of yourself. And by the way, the same thing happened in Seinfeld, where Elaine went up and tried to mouth to them. Yeah, yeah. No, the bet is that you have to look like an idiot. Yeah. Although, see, what Larry did is a little bit different because it's after the fact. It's different than uh, actually, I don't know. I think it's the principle is the same. Yeah. If you recognize Larry David, by the way, yeah. If you recognize Larry David at that restaurant, you're like, that was worth fifty dollars to you. You would have done that for free. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you need to hold the point is you need to be very embarrassed in front of a whole group of strangers not to be able to say, I'm not really an idiot. I just did that to get $50. And everyone be like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you're still a different type of idiot. But Our mutual friend, uh, Aby, offered me $5 million tonight to do something. Oh, what was it? Yeah, I mean, it was hypothetical. And he, he was saying, if somebody were to offer you $5 million, would you do it? And I said no. And then, that, and then I had this whole thought process. And I decided that you're not supposed to fight the hypo. But I decided he asked me an impossible question. A, he asked me a, a, a question that could never happen. Okay. Well, but um, anyways, it sounds like you don't want to give any details, so I'll have to request. Well, I mean, I, I have no reason to not want to give them. It's just it's going to lead us down a whole rabbit hole. We're not going right, to talk fine. about yeah, for twenty late. minutes. So like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm fine to do so. Maybe we do it offline. Maybe we do it on a different episode. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I once offered. It's very inside Jewish baseball. I once offered our friend uh, Butch that if he ate it, he said he could eat an entire pie of pizza, and like that's it. He's like, oh, I'm so hungry, I could eat a whole pie of pizza. Yeah. And I said, if you eat a whole pie of pizza, I will pay for it. But if mm. you eat Less than a hot a whole pie of pizza, you know, it's on you. So if you eat like six and a half slices, you pay for it. And he like ate like three or four slices and then he had enough. And but he insisted it could be done. But that wasn't the bet. Yes. Well, three no, of four, course he lost. Like three or four is like less yeah, than that's what I order, that's, that's what I normally get. No, I, I mean I I I mean I normally get three. I normally get three. So well, I I don't like when my wife gets a pie because when my wife gets a pie, I'm gonna end up eating like five and a half or six because yeah, it's like you could yeah, it's just like if it's still there, pizza you yeah. just eat. Yeah, and um, and I tell my wife that I'm like, don't buy a pie because what happens? My my kids will each eat like half of one slice, and then right, you'll even... finish theirs, and yeah. you'll eat two of your own. Yeah, and then, and then, oh, and then there's and then there's yeah. one more at the end of the night, and you're like, all right, I guess yeah, I'll have that. One too. more? No, there's one more at nine, <laughs> one more at eleven, and then at two in the morning. Yeah, I'm not gonna put one piece of you know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. And then she'll say to me the next day, like, "Where's the rest of the pizza?" I'm like, "Well, this is why I told you not to buy a pie. This was gonna happen." Yeah. So, so uh, Jeff tells Larry that uh, Tesla is coming to the bat mitzvah and also this uh, up and coming hip hop star named John Legends, mm. who I just signed as a client, will be coming as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I looked it up. John Lennon broke through in 2006, winning a bunch of Grammys, playing the Super Bowl preview show, the NBA All-Star halftime show. I do think it's believable, though, that in 2007, Larry David hasn't heard of him. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. No, he's certainly much. I think he's probably much bigger now. It's, at yeah, least it's, it's more it, known. It, there's no way Larry David hasn't heard of him in 2021. I mean, it's, yeah, I would bet my parents haven't heard of him, actually. So maybe it's possible. No, yeah. Yeah. My parents have not heard of him. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Larry's like, yeah. So, yeah, never heard of the guy. But, you know, maybe I should bring Paula. And in fact, you know, maybe Jeff and Susie, why don't we have a double date? Uh, we're going to go to the movie. Why don't you come to the movie and, you know, get to know her first. And Jeff thinks that's a wonderful idea. Is it weird to double date on a very first date with your best friends? Seems like it's a three on one you've created. It's a little unfair. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it certainly could be an, an odd dynamic. I guess like if you're nervous about the date, it's like it could be helpful because like worst case scenario, you just kind of like revert into. I understand that part. Friend. But if you get asked out on a date and the person says, oh, by the way, we're going on a double date with two of my best friends. who You don't know at all. I'm like, there's something wrong with this person. Yeah, no, it's almost it's, like it's introducing not... you to like your parents on the first date. It's like, like, uh, let me. Why don't I get to know you before like I'm meeting these people in your life or you can't have a date without them. That's even weirder. Like then we, we have no independence. Yeah, no, it's certainly a very strange thing to do on a first date. Yeah, yeah. almost as weird as saying my brother and sister are going to come along. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get to yeah. that movie, though. So we're at the movie and um, who hates a movie Randy... more? Nadia for this movie or Elaine for the English patient? Oh, that's a good call. Um, yeah, I, I think Nadia makes it much further into this movie than Elaine makes it into the English patient. Like she makes it to like I think there's like ten minutes left by the time. Yeah, that, that is true. They say that. Out. Yeah, Elaine hates it uh, much earlier. Yeah, like yeah. Imme- basically immediately and like throughout. I don't think she even makes it through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Larry, you know, they're waiting online, and Larry, you know, wants to know. I don't know anything about dating anymore. It's been so long. What are the rules these days? And you know, walking by them is uh, what appears to be a uh, intellectually handicapped man. Mm. And he's, you know, very loudly cutting the line and, you know, everyone kind of lets him go because of his disability. And he uh, goes straight to the front, gets a ticket and carries on. And, you know, we fast forward and they see him inside the theater and all of a sudden his uh, his handicap seems to have disappeared. And Larry realizes, oh, that guy just faked it. Like, wow, like what a crazy thing to do to just skip the line by pretending to that you're uh, mentally disabled and quite kind of amazing to me and horrifying that all four of them even Susie, jeff uh paula larry they're all like more like respecting him for like the move than they are like horrified at what he did yeah it's like uh when baxter with uh yeah no exactly i'm not even angry i'm I'm impressed it's it's very surprising and i mean I, i guess on the other hand if you're larry david why waste time pretending to be somebody different to go on a date you want to be with somebody who wants to be with you as you are. Don't, you know, you, Cheryl tried to make you somebody else. So I'm going to be my worst self. And if they like me, then great. We'll move forward. And I, maybe everyone should do that on dates. Don't be your best self, be your worst self. Let them see you at your worst. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly better as like a weeding out process. It's sure. like, here's the worst of me. If you're uphill here. Yeah. Because this is what it's going to be. Larry's a little thirsty is what's been going on the last couple episodes, though. Uh, so you think he'd want to, you know, uh, do things that would, uh, I don't know. Yeah, so as they're watching the movie, uh, Larry and Paula, both of them are squirming in their seats and, you know, they each will be like, oh, what's wrong? And neither one will admit that, to, you know, any sort of discomfort or anything unusual is unha- is happening. And, you know, when they each, you know, follow up, oh, so why were you at the gastroenterologist? They both stick to their initial claims that they were just there for a, quote, checkup. But they both say it in a way more. that makes it obvious that they're lying. And so yes. it's this weird thing where, like, they're pretending that they don't know, but they obviously do. It's very strange. Yeah. So as we said, we get towards the end of the movie and there's a few minutes left. And Paul is like, I've, I've had enough. This movie is terrible. And Larry refuses to go with her. You know, he explains that he's the type of guy. He finishes things that he starts. Mm. You know, he's and he gets 500. in this angry argument with her. 
yeah, he, I, I'm reading a 500 page book. I get to the end. I have friends that I haven't been able to stand for 25 years because I'm the kind of guy that goes down with the ship. I'm not even the captain. I'm just the guy who keeps the captain company. Yeah. And Paula, she's had enough. She heads out. And Susie's like, Larry, go with her. And Larry says she doesn't understand etiquette. And Susie says, well, you know what? You don't understand women. Larry's a complete moron here. This is inexplicable. Like, does Larry give a shit about this movie? Isn't he trying to get laid? Like, why would you possibly refuse to leave? It's like impossible for me to believe somebody would do this. And I am a person who finishes things. But it's like, unless you are not interested in the date anymore, you know what? Like, you know, Jerry chooses the voice over the girl. And maybe, you know, Larry says, I'd rather see the rest of this movie than be on a date with that girl which is a fine decision to make. But like he expects her to be waiting for him at the end. And so does Jeff. It makes no sense to me. Well, if it, if it really is only five minutes, it's like not completely crazy that she has to be like it waiting. It doesn't matter how many minutes outside. after that conversation. No, okay. <laughs> I, ah, you don't understand women or men. Like, I guess, I guess, or men. <laughs> there's no way somebody's hanging around for the rest of the date at this point with you. You're the asshole who chose the movie over them. You don't know if there's five minutes left for sure anyway. You know. Right. Um, I think it's crazy. It, it, it's crazy to leave a movie with five minutes left. Like if you leave halfway through, that's fine. But why commit for 95 percent of it? Yeah. And um, Susie speaks you know, when they come outside. She speaks like one of the, the most wise words of the whole series, uh, which is you are right. And now you're alone, yeah. which, you know, it's like one of the first things that like when you're getting married, everyone's like always yeah. tells you like it's better. It's better to be happy than to be right. Like, it's yeah. well, I mean, you I, know think, I think it's said better on the Big Lebowski. You're not wrong. You're just an asshole. Right. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think specifically in the uh, the realm of uh, dating where it's just yeah. like it's not that important to be right in these stupid arguments. Just like, yeah, give in and be happy instead. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Larry, Larry's all he concerned about. He's like, well, you know, at least, you know, she had a tickle on the radius, so like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how far this was going anyway. HIPAA violation, Larry. I don't think he's bound by HIPAA. Yeah, I don't think so. He is, but he he should appreciate as much as anyone that if you have a tickle on the anus, you don't want that news spread. Yeah, and like you should hold that against that, buddy. Yeah, also that. Yes, you're bald. You have a tickle in your anus. <laughs> you're bald. Yeah. Yeah, so we're at work the next day, and Larry is really commiserating with Antoinette about how the date went, and he really does not want to go to the bat mitzvah alone, and she's thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe I could fix you up with my next-door neighbor. She's a belly dancer. Of course, my, you know, young... How has this never come up before? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure she would love to date Larry David. Well, Antoinette Um, tells her, you know that billionaire that I work for. Right, fair. Yeah, yeah, he's not interested because she had a nose ring. And, you know, you know, this is not going to happen. And, you know, the man comes over to look at the office next door, as we had been told. And Larry realizes that this is a good opportunity to use the new trick that he learned last night at the movies. (laughs) And he himself pretends to be a mentally disabled person to scare the guy off, telling him that, you know, I'm so excited. I'm going to be your neighbor. We'll have to go for lunch every single day. And say it the way he says it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the trick works and the guy is scared off. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't really want to have to deal with uh, this Larry character that he's met and he uh, he runs off. Yeah, this is so. this is when Tesla comes in. I mixed it up. Yeah. Before. Talk about yeah. T- bad timing, because it's at this moment that Matt Tesla had arrived to thank Larry for recommend him for recommending him for Lewis's pilot, for which he got that's the job. What you do on television. You, you show up in person to thank people. Yeah. And yeah. he sees the end of Larry's uh, little performance and he's extremely offended saying, you know, my 10 year old son is mentally challenged and my son, Max, would not find that funny. And Larry's like, listen, you know, I was just doing it as a test to see how he would react. Yes. And obviously he failed. 
Michael does not. Uh, Tesla does not. Buy yeah, it. Tesla is not buying it. He's not appeased. And he says, my son has an office on the right hand of Jesus. Yeah. Well, why an office? I was confused by that. Yeah, I didn't really understand. Well, his 10 year old son has an office. Yeah, yeah I don't really. Yeah. So but by you know the way, now, really funny? now we know why he was missing up Stummy in those stupid Yiddish words. He's not a Jew. Unless yeah, his son's not a Jew anyway. Right. He's a Jew with it. He doesn't say that he prays with Jesus or he worships him. He just has an office on the right hand of Jesus. He's in Jesus's, yeah. you know, in his shop. But you know what's really funny? Tesla says <laughs> a big Hollywood writer and producer who sticks gerbils up his ass. Yeah. And Larry's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I heard from my cousin and I'm going to go tell everyone. And now Larry's really scared. Mm. He should be. He should be because everyone's going to know. But it, 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 let's think of all those HIPAA violations. What does she do? She she manages the office and she knows about it. So what the hell is going on in that office? No, it's the nurse, the nurse. So it's just one person with a big mouth. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's the only one he told that about. Sorry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he told the nurse. The nurse is his cousin. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, OK, so Larry's having lunch with uh, Richard Lewis. Now. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because he he says in the earlier season, um, my cousin is the manager of his office. But yeah, but then later on, his cousin is the nurse. So I guess she's a she's a nurse slash manager. Yeah, they retconned. They retconned it to the nurse. Yeah. She, she's just yeah, um, she does a lot. She's a very. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Richard is furious she, at Larry for bus. for having recommended uh, Tesla. He's ruining the pilot. And Larry's like, what are you talking about? I didn't recommend him. I put quotes around the recommendation. It was a non recommend recommend. And Richard's like, you know, it would be one thing if the recommendation came from a skinhead or from Ben Laden. And they get into a side argument about whether it's Bin Laden or Ben Laden. <laughs> they agree that, you know, it's definitely Bin Laden. Ben Laden it sounds more like a Jewish shirt maker in Manhattan. Yeah. Go to Ben Laden's. And as they're arguing, Richard's like, oh, he sees Larry like squirm a little bit in his chair. And he's like, oh, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> and he's like, you know, that gerbil rumor is all over town, all over the Internet. And, you know, a guy walks by. He gives him around Larry a minor glance. He's like, you see, yeah, he probably read Gerbil Magazine. You're on the cover. Yeah. So yeah, the word word seems yeah. to be out. So so Larry uh, Larry heads home, and the uh, the Black family is already amidst a uh, raucous debate about whether or not this gerbil route rumor can be true about Larry. Yeah, and Leon explains gerbil got in the elevator, hit up, went up your asshole. Yeah, but wait, we we skipped. Um, is life too short? It's too short, isn't it? It's too short, isn't it? Yeah, I love that line. Um, how does this rumor spread so fast? Like, how, how does it get to like the uh, you know the uh, the blacks who don't seem to have a lot of social circles with uh, Larry's. I don't know. Do they have Google alerts for him? It's all over Tumblr. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I am reading this now out of curiosity. I'm on Snopes and we're discussing Richard Gere and the gerbil. Can we get into this? Yeah. Let me know. What you see. All right. Hori urban legend reports a celebrity was taken to a hospital emergency room to have a gerbil removed from his rectum. That's the claim. Richard Gere was taken to a hospital emergency room to have a gerbil removed from his rectum. Rating false origin. The f- yeah. Origin. The following is a true account. A 26-year-old male arrived at the ER complaining of rectal bleeding, too embarrassed to provide an accurate history, but provides the examining doctor a clue. There might be something stuck in my rear end. Examination reveals a non-tender abdomen, but a rectal exam shows blood coming from the anus. A speculum exam reveals bloody stool and a dead gerbil. Apparently, through through the cardboard tubing from a paper towel roll, the rodent had been forced into his rectum. Once the animal was in, the tube was pulled out. The idea, oh my God, this is actually very painful to read. Um, should I keep reading this? This sounds very disturbing. No, I'm going to make an editorial decision and decide we're going to stop. Yeah, okay. why? But like, wh- wh- why don't we cut to the part where 
Richard Gere, in theory, gets involved. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Or is there even no such anything and it just became okay. a thing? This tale has been applied to various public figures who are known or believed to be homosexual. Oh, so it might be homophobia. And is stuck oh, so with is this a homophobic podcast now? Oh, oh man. We don't condone this. Yes. And we don't. With... Okay. But why is it stuck with Richard Gere? Okay. Although the legend honed in on various targets when it first appeared, um, it has clung tenaciously to Mr. Gear's name since at least the mid-80s. Rumor that he had an emergency gerbilectomy. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. <laughs> at Cedar Sinai Hospital has spread far and wide, and countless doctors and nurses claim to have participated in, been on hand during, or heard from a reliable colleague about the procedure. This first was a 30-person <laughs> operation. Uh, all the doctors uh, Hold the on. Hospital. It's literally in parentheses, the same joke. Cedar Sinai is apparently the best staffed hospital in the world since literally thousands of different doctors and nurses claim to have been on duty at the time Mr. Gear was allegedly brought in for treatment. It's sort of like uh, Woodstock. Everyone yeah. was there. Right. There were 7 million people at Woodstock. So you should never believe any doctor or nurse because they're all liars and they're all HIPAA violators. Um, the rumor spread was aided by an anonymous, an anonymous prankster who not long after the film Pretty Women led to a tremendous increase in Gears popularity flooded fax machines in Hollywood of the phony press release purportedly issued by the Association for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. <laughs> so some one asshole like just oh my goodness that's terrible that this oh, one so guy we're like, really getting it we're going to get it from the right and from the left on this one. Wait why why who have who, who we offended politically? We've offended um, the L- LGBT, okay. and we've offended PETA. Yeah. I guess those are both the left. Okay, no, I don't know what they're. Um, yes, we're, we're we're not we're not on the side of any of these people. Obviously, um, the the people spreading these rumors and the people motivated by homophobia. Um, so it really is just kind of random that it became something associated with Richard Gere. Um, yeah, uh, versions of the following. Okay, there there, uh, there was a UPI article about it. Um, so basically, the story is this once happened to a person, and then people decided that that person was Richard Gere. <laughs> yes, basically. And then th- thousands of doctors assert that they were there personally. So, yes. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to spread a rumor. It was about Larry David. Yeah. So oh, Larry denies it. Yeah. Um, everyone's very relieved. And, you know, the kids announced we're all packed up, and it finally hits home oh, with Larry that they're really moving yeah. out. Mm. And on a last minute whim, Larry gets the idea to ask Loretta if she will accompany him to the bat mitzvah. And she's like, you know what? Why not? And she does. Hmm. So we head over to the bat mitzvah and Larry and a fully decked out Loretta are sitting at a table with Richard and Chacha and the Funkhausers. And Richard and Larry are still arguing. Wait, hold on. About when, the did, when does Richard say I'll have a mental patient face off with you any day? That's when they're fighting earlier. When they get distracted by. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I had a lot. There were a lot of lines in that scene I really liked, but that's okay. yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I, I pared it down. That's okay. Um, Listen, I, let's get to the fuck man. I appreciate how upfront the fuck man is. He heard a rumor about his friend. He just asked straight up. Yeah, like he, like, like that's uh, what he, you want from friends. Yeah, he's like they're like talking about something. He's like, ah, all right, I have to know. Yeah. Did you Actually, really? That's not true. What you want from friends is to mind their own fucking business because you know what you do in the privacy of your own bedroom between you and your gerbil is no one's business but yours and the gerbils. But yeah, so Larry realizes he needs to take charge of the situation, and when uh, Jeff and Susie. You know, welcome their guests to start the toast. Larry gets up and you know, he's going to be the first one to give a toast. Yeah. And he uh, he first, you know, gives like a little uh, intro about, oh, I remember when Sammy was born. But, you know, nobody cares about that. I would like to address a rumor that has been spreading about me. A very vicious rumor. <laughs> yeah. I love um, Tesla's like Jack Nicholson-esque smile when they cut to him. Yeah. And Loving it's, it. you know, it's completely false. That never happens. Um, you know, that being said, I do have a slight tickle in my anus. Yeah. They, all, they also cut. I love they go from Tesla and they immediately show Cheryl with Glenn from the no fly yeah. zone. Yeah. So um, hey, can I ask a question? Know. Like, what, why is Tesla so 
vindicative. Like, even if you think that Larry made an inappropriate joke and mocked um, the mentally disabled and that's horrible and I get all that, but like he did you a massive favor for your career and you're going out of your way to like screw him over basically. Maybe this is why you can't get jobs in, in Hollywood, Matt. Stop being, uh, you know, so vindicative yeah, and evil well, to people. He's, yeah. uh, he's very defensive over his son. I, I understand being disgusted with Larry, but like you're going around and like doing sort of a similar equivalent to what Larry did, which is, you know, like talking about people, you know, mocking people for their uh, medical challenges. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I hear you. So uh, Larry, uh, he is, he sees Cheryl and Glenn. He uh, he goes over to them. You know, even makes polite conversation with him. Mentions that he now is wearing the no fly zone. Maybe um, that's what gives you the tickle in the anus. Maybe it's their fabric. We need to ask yeah, him that about be. that. You that. That's worth Bring exploring. Yeah. Uh, you know, they excuse themselves to dance, and Larry uh, gazes over the dance floor and sets eyes on Loretta and invites her over to dance. And you know everyone is watching them together on the dance floor, and they're uh, amazing chemistry together. Yeah. And in one of the, I would say, true highlights of the series, this is one of the things that I remember most vividly about the show, and like recite all the time when we're talking about great Kerr moments. But you get this incredible season-ending montage as we flash to a scene of Larry and Loretta in bed with the rest of the uh, the black children jumping on them in the morning. We see Larry screaming from the sidelines of the Arrow soccer game. I think he's just like yelling soccer, soccer at one point. <laughs> he's like arguing with the ref. And like, I think he, it seems like he gets kicked out of the game. So he just like yeah. takes Daryl with him and they're off. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, you know, they're driving the car. This kid's screaming in the back. They go to the movies, screaming at the screen, including Larry. He's a part of the family now. Yeah. Um, the best part of this, I think, is you know Susie starts yelling at oh, Larry. Then like yeah, Loretta. This, this is this is the home run. Yeah, this, yeah, this is Loretta, the home run to end the season. Yeah, Loretta cuts him off, cuts her off, and you know basically says, you know, you yell at my man, and like Larry's just like why, like waving at the background, bye, bye. Yeah, and then finally we get a family photo, happy holiday from Larry and the Blacks, mm. and we have reached the end of season six. I want to jump right into the writing here because here's my thing. Like, first of all, Loretta at the bat mitzvah, uh, Vivica Fox's hair, it looks incredible. So I want to know who did her hair uh, for that bat mitzvah because if I ever need my hair done for bat mitzvah, that's where I'm going. She looks incredible. But like the and you, you know, you just mentioned it, like Loretta telling off Susie at the end of the season was the moment I was looking forward to from the moment that this season started. <laughs> like I remembered what's going to happen. I didn't remember how. But I remember Larry's going to end up with Loretta. Cheryl's going to leave. Larry's going to end up with Loretta. And Susie's going to be talking shit to Larry, as she always does. And Loretta's going to step up and say, you get the fuck out of here. You don't talk to my man like that. And, like, but I got to say, like, watching the episode, I'm kind of disappointed by how quick, like, they escalated the LD-Loretta relationship from zero to 100 with zero explanation in the course of one Ray Charles song. There's no flashbacks or clips or anything. It's just suddenly we're meant to believe that they're deeply in love based on literally absolutely nothing. Like last thing Loretta thought is that Larry was getting hard-ons for Auntie Ray. So it's just like Auntie May, excuse me, Auntie May. Auntie and, May. You, and using the N-word. Yeah, so it's like, oh, oh, we never get a resolution to the tickle in the anus. What happened to the tickle in the anus? That just went away. So like, I don't understand. Vulture <laughs> loves this episode, ranks number four all time. But like- wow. Other than Loretta legendarily telling off Susie and what a moment that is a whole season. I looked forward to that and it, it hit it out of the park. But like other than that, there's not so much love about this episode. I hate Tesla, as I said. So I will say this episode, pretty, pretty good. Two pretties episode ranked 49 out of 60 for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically right there with you. I'll go a little bit higher um, and say two and a half. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, because, you know, I, I think there are. Uh, 
several good moments, you know, like the Richard Lewis conversation you mentioned is really funny. Um, I think the doctor, the doctor office stuff is pretty spot on and funny. Um, and the closing montage, obviously a home run, but yeah, um, overall it's like, it's really def- definitely not one of the best and a lot of uh, silly stuff that doesn't work. So l- let's talk about these ratings. Now um, I'm looking at our season by season rankings and with one glaring exception, we've been pretty simpatico. In fact, almost eerily so, except that you always grade, uh, you're a slightly more generous grader than me. You're always about 10 to 20% higher. Um, so season, uh, we both have the, uh, the best seasons, both tied, season two and season four. You give season two's average episode 3.6 pretties. I give season two and four's episodes 3.4 pretties. So we're both exactly tied on the exact same two seasons as the best seasons. Um, and then on the opposite spectrum, we both rank season one the lowest. Uh, and again, you're at 2.7. I'm at 2.55. So again, I'm just a little bit lower than you. Um, and then uh, season five, again, we're almost exactly the same. You're, but you're a little higher. You're 285. I'm 275. And then uh, season three, which is behind only seasons two and four, is uh, you're at 3.25. I'm at 3.1. So basically the point is, other than the season six, which I haven't mentioned, we'll get to that in a second. We both agree seasons two and four are the best. Season three, a little bit behind it. And then uh, season five lags behind that. And then season one lags behind that. Except for season six, where there's this massive, massive disagreement where you have it tied as the second best season. uh, uh, Excuse me, third best season. So you have two and four tied for first and then three and six tied for, I guess that would be third. And I have it by far the lowest ranked season. And I'm not really sure why. I looked like the cumulative ranks of like all the other rankers that I have. And they actually have this season. They don't, they have seasons two and three, the best but then they have the season next. And so I'm not sure what it is about the season that, that I just didn't appeal to me. I don't know if I've become a tougher grader in season six or what we, we finally get Leon in there, which I was very excited for, but I ranked the season, the lowest season so far. And I'm really, I, I don't know why I did that. Honestly, I've been enjoying the episodes. I think. Yeah, I that's think. interesting. Yeah. I, I, I would say it's probably your hot, you're holding it to a higher standard at this point. That could be, um, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of these, these, these episodes are for certainly better than season one. I mean, I remember we were watching season one. We were like, this show is like not that good yet. Like there's like, it was like very rough. There was like little glimmers of good stuff, but I think we're getting much more consistent episodes now than we ever got back then. Yeah, that's probably fair. All right. Let's get to the come with Gail. To me, obviously, it's Loretta. Uh, she was yep. also episode one for me this season, and she closes it off. She comes with LD to the bat mitzvah. She comes into his life, and then, as we said, she tells Susie off. Um, so, yeah, she opens and closes the season with come with uh, Gail points for me. Yeah, 100% agree. This is an easy one. Mm. Yeah, and so uh, she finally uh, – uh, who did you pick again in, in uh, the first episode of the season? All right, you picked Funkman. All right, that's good. Funkman was also good. That's fair. Yeah, but so Loretta uh, clears clears the win here, clears the board, and um, – she, but yeah, but she will not be the member of this family that has the longest lasting impact on this show. Even though at Certainly this point not. they both have the same number of come with guy points. Oh but, wow. yeah. yeah, that's gonna that's gonna change. Yes, I, I don't think that she will be able to to stay neck and neck with uh with Leon for too long. Probably not gonna be a big surprise here uh, for me, anyways. But uh, for you, who is the fucking asshole? It's got to be Tesla. I mean, he comes yeah. in, he asks this really nice favor. Larry delivers. And he, you know, as you said, he proceeds to try to screw him over. And of course, you know, Larry was not on his best behavior. I'm mean, certainly what Larry did was very offensive. But, you know, this guy just did this massive favor for you. At least just, you know, just keep your head down. You know, you don't have to be nice to him, but don't try to go screw him over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And again, Michael McKean is he's 
just an incredible actor, I guess. Uh, you know, who, Ralph, uh, to, let's bring up the Holocaust for no reason. Uh, Ralph Fenz, who plays Amon Goth in Schindler's List, yeah, does such a good job in that movie that I despise Ralph Fenz so much that Fenz, Fiennes, I don't know how to say his name. Anytime I see him in any movie, I hate him. I despise that man because in my head, he's like this incredibly evil Nazi death camp commander. And it's just like, all I'm saying is that he's an incredible actor, but he's like too good for, for me apparently. So um, I, I hate him and I, and I really hate Michael McKean also, I think. And it's weird because like he was on SNL. He's done so many things, but like in my head, he's this guy, he's Tesla. And then he's, you know, the really annoying brother, better call Saul. And so, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's Michael McKean, unfortunately for me. Um, yeah. And so he, uh, celebrity cameos. We got him. We got John Legend, but it's, uh, it's late. Let's get to the postman. Yeah. Let's do that. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! All right. First uh, email is from Jared Jerome. He says, what the hell was that? Brutal, brutal episode. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just pissy because something was wrong with my feed and I had some stage director voicing over the action telling me what was going on. Yeah, he uh, he like texted me while he was watching. What happened? I'm confused. He's like, why am I hearing voiceover in this episode? I'm like, it's probably like a setting on like your HBO. Um, but uh, he, he couldn't figure it out. He said he turned it off and he come back. I don't know. Um, he says, I don't think that's what it is. It was just bad. There was just one main storyline. Larry has something up his ass that doesn't really go anywhere of any meaningful resolution. The montage with Larry becoming the father slash husband to the blacks out of the absolute blue made absolutely no sense. And that's how you end the season. What was it tying together? Ridiculous. What about literally stealing an exact idea about convincing a doctor's office to change rules only to have the suggested rule changed immediately to be put into effect and then immediately hurt Larry? Yeah, we forgot to mention that that happened in season one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the show is based around Larry being socially inappropriate, but in this episode, he's just clueless about society's conventions. He knows he has to write his name down at the doctor's office. This isn't his first visit. He knows you have to tell, tell the nurse your condition. He knows you can't give a speech at a bat mitzvah about having a thing up your ass. Just completely lost. A bunch of random Larry ideas strewn together to make an episode with the bat mitzvah as a backdrop, simply to have a place for all the characters to meet up at the end. But again, nothing came from this. Sopranos used to do that, too. They'd always get all the characters and Artie Book goes at the end in some cheesy way. Seinfeld connection, two Seinfeld-related storylines bits. First is the whole proctologist, gastroenterologist thing, which clearly Larry is obsessed with. A million to one shot, Doc. A million to one. Larry, very uncomfortable with anything ass-related, apparently. Second is the, the gargle in the restaurant with Jeff reminded me of Elaine grabbing the egg roll off the table at the Chinese restaurant for 50 bucks. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, here, Jeff Renegs. Larry announces to everyone why he gargled. Asshole of the week is Larry for making such a shitty episode. And for giving Trump the perfect blueprint on how to mock someone with a physical disability, I'm sure Chester has Michael McKeon as the asshole of the week because of your associated with his character for better call Saul that you hate so much. And no, but it's not true. Here I, it's it's the other around. I hate him in Better Call Saul because I hated him from Curb. Right. Um, Though he never yeah. had a chance with me. He, he's like rough he, ends. Yeah, he honest. said he's bad both there and here, but he did not write this episode. So therefore, I guess he uh, he is not the asshole of the week. Come with Guy. He gives to Rich Eisen for showing off for a split second at the bottom mitzvah in the background. Did you guys notice that? What the hell was that? I did not I, notice that. I've heard Rich Eisen talk about that. He likes to talk about all these different things that he's been on, but yeah, I didn't notice it. Um, I thought it was a later season that he was on, but uh, does he come back? Then he comes back. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right, I, I will say this to Jared, though. Like, and I think I did this once to you. I was complaining about some movie, and then I mentioned the context in which I saw the movie. Like, well, that's how I supposed to see this movie. Like, you know, try to watch the show without like there being another voiceover the whole time. It might it might affect your enjoying. It's it a possible. Little bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. So his ranking is: if you couldn't tell my review so far, I have this episode ranked sixty out of sixty with wow. a bullet. Wow! A bullet. Wow. Utter trash. P good. Not even half a pretty. That's one fifth of a pretty. Four point eight. No pretties. 
And he says, I rushed to get this email in under the wire. At least I got to see Leon in a couple of scenes, but even he wasn't that good in this episode. That's impossible. Rant's over. Mm. Wow. Tell us Um, how you really feel. Yeah, I don't think Jared liked the episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next email. You're right. This episode is much better than like a lot of like like the double A MCO AMCO episode. Affirmative action. Like the season season one is it has a lot of rough episodes. Um, yeah, so William Blake lights. Yeah, William Blake writes in. He says, "Hey, Alex and Av, my name is Will, and I'm giving you a nod. Recommend, recommend. We got a Rich Eisen cameo, I think. All oh, right, so wow. everyone's, everyone's seen Rich, Rich Eisen. Alex and Av, what was the worst spot mitzvah speech you have experienced in person? I don't know. Nothing really comes to mind. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I can, I can think of like a very bad bridesmaid speech that I've heard, but I've never heard of a bat mitzvah speech. Um. Also, oh no, that's not true. I have a great one. I completely forgot about this. All right, well, it's go. bar, it's bar mitzvah, not bat mitzvah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, my, um, this is it's going to sound made up because Kristen Wiig has a whole stand up or has a whole like comedy bit about this exact thing happening. Um, so I, without getting into the whole backstory, I have a first cousin and his ex wife lives in France and is a very big weirdo, and they're divorced. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, she's like not at all part of the family, but when the kid had his bar mitzvah, you know, the parents come together. So, um, it's my, it's my first, my first cousin's ex-wife is the mother of this boy at this bar mitzvah. And like, it, it gets up and it's like, instead of giving a speech to my son, what I want to do is sing. And then she proceeds to do this long song. And I have the video. I can share it with you. Remind me afterwards as if she's like, as if she's like, uh, Celine Dion or something, and she's just singing and singing and singing while everyone is grimacing. She's a terrible singer, and it's her son's moment, so she's like totally stole, stolen the show. And Kristen Wing has a whole bit, which I once heard on a podcast, where she was talking about when she first moved to Hollywood and attending like bar mitzvahs, where like these moms would do this because they were like thirty five years old and like a, and, and it's just it's incredible because then it actually literally happened in my family. So yeah, that's my that's my answer. Good stuff. All right, good question. Well. Um, he says, come with Gal. I mean, if you're, if you're that kid, you want to kill yourself and you never want to go near your mother again in front of your friends. You're like dying yeah. of embarrassment. It's I can't, How can you do that? To, 13-year-old boys are embarrassed about everything. It's like have the no self-awareness. Oh, my God. It was glorious. <laughs> yeah. You just basically light them on fire at that point. <laughs> sorry, sorry to my first cousin most removed, David, for laughing. But uh, you're older now. You're fine. Yeah. I'm sure you think it's funny at this point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he agrees with us. Come with Gal goes to Loretta. She saves Larry from being alone at the party. That's enough. Also, you have to win for voluntarily being with Larry. Fucking asshole. He agrees with us. Also, Matt Tesler, because yes. fuck that guy. Mm. Um, he diverges with us on the uh, the rating and he gives it four point five. Please. Mm. Well, so, take it William, up with Jared. <laughs> yeah. W- Will and Vulture very high on this episode. Yeah. Um, um, by the way, you, you know how like every week on this podcast, I tell some insane story and then I go like trying to follow up with the person. And then it turns what? out that the story wasn't quite. That. No, like like the sock guy, the underwear yeah. guy and then yeah. uh, guess who guy. So I was like, should I message my this my 19 year old first cousin was removed <laughs> and um, and uh, and, and ask about his uh, mom singing at his bar mitzvah. But I was like, you know what? That's not that's not so good to do. That's a zero. I mean, situation. from my perspective, I see no downside. Yeah, <laughs> from my, like I, 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 this is a kid who like sees me as an adult and me as and I see him as a kid. I've never spoken to him about anything other than like small little things. I'm gonna message him. Hey, uh, did your mother completely embarrass you at your bar mitzvah? And did you want to kill yourself? And he's gonna say like, no, fuck you. That's my mother. I love her mother. How do you talk to me about that? I barely know who you are. Um, or he's gonna say, yeah, it was really embarrassing. Or he's gonna, thanks for bringing it up, asshole. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah maybe he'll laugh about it, but yeah. Um, 
it's funny. I would ask. In fact, I will ask his father, my cousin. I'm close enough with him, and I know he doesn't like his wife. So I'm going <laughs> to ask him. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm not going to message him now because to do it at two thirty in the morning would be weird. But I'm going to message him and I'm going to say, um, you know, at, at at David's bar mitzvah, that was a weird thing your ex-wife did, wasn't it? And and I think he'll hopefully laugh. So I will report back on that. Okay. All right. I look forward to hearing the response. Yeah. All right. Oh, uh, by the way, email. I'm looking at the yep. vulture ranking to see why they have this number four. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that one. It's like they talk about, you know, Loretta cuts Susie off midstream, snapping off. You better get out your ass out of my house, you fucking bitch, before slamming the day, before slamming the door. Yeah, the montage yeah. is so iconic. Yeah. Yeah, the last minute of this episode is so good. Yeah, that it is. But, but yeah, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, Zach Brooks uh, writes in. He says, wait, that was the season finale? Oof. This episode was a real slog, and I didn't realize it was the finale until it ended. Did you guys have bar mitzvah themes? I couldn't tell if Sammy did on the show. Yeah, mine was like something like related to like Jerusalem 3000 or something like that. It was like the 3000th anniversary. That was the choice that you made? I don't even remember. We we had like different like uh, centerpieces of like different locations in Jerusalem. Yeah, it was kind of late, but you know, it was, you know, it was a nice party. Oh, Uh, my bar mitzvah Parsha involves the story of um, Bilam and the ass, the talking ass. Hmm. And uh, I do remember my dad saying to me, uh, he's like, well, it's your bar mitzvah after all. So why don't we have a talking ass as the centerpiece at every table? Did uh, so Billum have supporting a... and loving father, I guess. Do we know if Billum had a, uh, a a gerbil up his ass? Mm, yes, perhaps. Maybe maybe the horse had a gerbil up his ass. And that's why he was so uh, uh, uncomfortable crossing the road. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he says uh, this is a great episode for Leon, but that's about it. And he gives a 1.5 pretties. Oh. And finally, we end the season off with Olin Allen. And he says, it took me way longer than it should have to realize what the gerbil payoff would be. I did walk out of Michael Moore's Bowling for Columbine with about 10 minutes to go, despite having a comfortable seat. Only reason I went was because I was so horrified at how bad the Harry Potter film was that I was dragged along to that I felt I had to hang around and catch another film for my ticket price. And I needed to get to work. A reasonable wait, episode. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So he goes to see Harry Potter. Uh-huh. And by the way, the only movie I've ever walked out of a movie theater that I remember was Harry Potter. One of the Harry Potters. I don't remember which one. But I had never seen the show. I I read the book. I knew nothing about the story. I took my youngest brother, actually, as a birthday present because he was like 14 at the time and like couldn't go to a movie. No, he was younger. He couldn't go to a movie alone. So I took him and it was so boring and confusing. And I mean, now I've read the books. I probably would enjoy it. In fact, I know that because I've watched them all with my kids and I did enjoy them. But um, I actually said to him, I said, listen, I don't want to be mean, but I'm just going to go sit on a bench outside. <laughs> so, so hold on. So Olin does that, leaves the Harry Potter movie in the middle and says, but I want to get my tickets priced for it. So I'm going to go watch Bowling for Columbine, which by the way, Olin, I don't know why you hated Bowling for Columbine. I mean, you know, I have my issues with Michael Moore, but I thought that was his best movie, actually. Yeah, it's definitely entertaining, and you know. No, 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 no. It, I'm sorry. Roger means his best movie. Bowling for Columbine, the the first half is very good. The second half, he gets completely off the rails. Right, that's the gun control one, right? That's the gun control. I don't remember yeah. it that well. Yeah, I, he, the second half is so like he he starts like knocking door to door and claiming from or the thirty seconds of clip that he shows us that in Canada nobody locks. Oh, the doors. does he does he confront strangers in that movie? Yeah, but like like I lived in Canada, everyone locked their doors. Like I'm sure you found ten doors to knock on. Like that's the real scientific evidence we have here. So yeah. Um, yeah, oh, Michael. Yeah, Moore Michael movies. Moore's like evidence is, Michael, isn't always the best. Yeah, Michael Moore's movies. movies start very hot and then quickly taper off into like media, I think. Yeah, well, it's it's easier to, to do the here's my big theory part of the movie, and then when it's like, and here is where I back it up with evidence, yeah, uh, part is uh, it's harder. 
Yeah, but even like his uh, Fahrenheit 9-11, I remember I thought I thought the whole first half of the movie was actually very good. And I mean, a little slick and, you know, but but like like and he actually did make a point. I remember for that movie of like posting like links online of evidence and stuff. But then the whole second half of the movie, as I recall, was just like very, very sad that somebody has lost a life. And the point is, you know, that George Bush was responsible for this person's son who volunteered for the army under false pretenses that he died. Um, and that is very sad and tragic. But like half the movie is spent mourning the loss in war and like we are all aware of the loss in war this isn't like a new concept and so it was like just had like people die in very very good wars also soldiers die for good causes and for bad causes we know like this is a bad cause but like i don't know i felt like it was half the movie was just like trying to pull at emotional heartstrings with like misleading i don't know anyway this is a yeah. uh, michael moore podcast right yeah we're gonna cover all his movies after <laughs> we got a time check right now <laughs> It's uh two forty six, two forty seven, two forty seven in the morning. Yeah, I'm gonna stop yeah. talking about Michael Moore. <laughs> well, we were talking about George Bush earlier, so we've, yes. kind of, we've come full circle. Yes. <laughs> um. So owns a, a reasonable finish to a reasonable season, and he gives it three pretties out of five. Come with Gal, mainly because Ned and Stacy is maybe my second favorite '90s American sitcom, and Nadia Dijani was the best thing in it. I will mm. go for Paula. Happily going out with ball guys. She meets in the gastroenterologist waiting room. Also offering Larry some freedom for what sounded like a 1920s silent romantic drama. Fucking asshole of the week. Of course, so obvious. It has to be the soccer referee that shouts slide tackle number two block. He was either calling the a son by the color of his skin when noting the supposed tackle, which is obviously bad or even worse. But if he was calling him by his name, well, I just absolutely detest that is one of my bugbears. Need consistent. You always refer to players by number in Jersey. They never know everybody's name, and it seems to be a sense of chummy favoritism when using it. Mm. This is an even excellent worse, point by Olin. <laughs> even worse. No, though, but you would never see it. The NBA would never say foul on LeBron. They say foul right. on two, three. Yeah. Even worse, though, are referees who are aware of the perception and then attempt to overcorrect and make negative decisions. Also, not a hint of a slide tackle, or he called it far too late. Yeah. But most egregiously, he uses American sports style signals to tell Larry to go away than more traditional FIFA-approved methods, including use of a red card to let Gary <laughs> go away. Uh, thank you, Olin, as always. That's great. Uh, that no, they, great. That's I, what Jared brings in, like, football. Olin brought it in soccer. It was much more enjoyable, actually. Yeah, I always, I always love, uh, I love uh, Olin's uh, assholes of the week because he, like, he picks up on, like, very petty things. Yeah, but also I love the passion about something that, like, if if we were, if but for the good grace of God go I, you know, like, if we grew up in slightly different circumstances around the world, I right. would be, like, yeah, we would, insanely we would be obsessed with soccer. That. Instead, it's, like, soccer I, like, casually like, but don't even notice, like, the lack of slide tackle. But the yeah, referee thing is universal. Yeah. He calls it, calls it penalty on black that's insane was he wearing all a right. black jersey no i don't think so i don't remember we're done with all email oh, okay all right so so next week listen uh next week we're off curb for two years we'll be coming back in the fall of 2009 right now it's the fall of 2007 with funk crazy sister they take a week uh, next week off of i have bad news for you and good news for you um the bad news is that next week we will not be doing a typical episode of this podcast we, we will not be reviewing uh season seven episode one funk hours versus crazy sister next week we'll be doing that the following week because i have good news for you which is that we will will be releasing an episode of this podcast we will have a very special guest and a very special theme is there anything else we should say or no i think i think next week's episode will be pretty 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 pretty, pretty good I don't know or so. It will not be Larry David, but yeah, it will be. It will not be Larry David. Yeah. Or will it?